Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Grace Anglican Church of Grove City, Pennsylvania. Our goal in every sermon is to proclaim the bold truth of the Word of God, especially the undiluted grace of Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, check out our website at graceanglicanonline.com. This evening we find our heroic prophet Elijah in a rather surprising, even perplexing situation. But to understand why this is so bewildering, we would do well to first recount what we have learned about this great man of God over the past month and and to note the great deeds that have been done by his hand. We first met him as he seemingly showed up out of nowhere to the capital city and the northern kingdom of Israel with judgment upon his lips. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives... Before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain all these years except by my word. And with that, the heavens shut. And then mysteriously, he disappeared off to the brook Kareth, where he drank from the stream and ravens miraculously brought him uh, food, uh, bread, and meat day after day until, until at last the brook dries up and Elijah goes out of Israel into, into Sidon. And you remember what happened there with the widow on the cusp of death? Just one more meal for her son and herself before she died. And Elijah then witnesses as God extends a little bit of oil, a little bit of meal to last Day after day after day, again, God's miraculous provision. And then suddenly the boy dies. Elijah takes this boy upstairs to his room and he prays. And for the first time anywhere in scriptures, uh, the dead come back to life. He revives. And then, of course, as we heard last week, the great showdown on Mount Carmel, there in front of the people of Israel, where they're all gathered, and Elijah says, how long will you go limping between two opinions? If Yahweh's the Lord, serve Him. If Baal's the Lord, serve Him. And there, it's Elijah against 450 prophets of Baal. They elect, they take a bull, they build an altar, and the prophets dance, and they cut themselves, and they pray, and nothing happens. And then Elijah takes the bull, pours water upon it, utters a simple prayer, and God rains down fire from heaven. And then he slaughters 450 of the, uh, of the idolatrous prophets. Then Elijah prays again. And this time after three years, the heavens open, the rains come. And then to top it all off, this same man of God performed one of the great athletic feats, perhaps the greatest athletic feat in all of Scripture, as buoyed by the Spirit of God, he sets a new 17-mile record as he beats Ahab's chariot all the way back to Jezreel. In the New Testament, James writes that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. But I have to say, as I've covered all that, it... It doesn't feel like it, does it? 
I mean, he seems a bit like us, but, but also a cut above, an uber saint. And that's one of the reasons I'm grateful uh, for this evening's passage, as we find this same great hero of the faith facing the dark night of the soul as he's collapsed, lying under a broom tree out in the wilderness. What happened? How did Elijah get out there? Well, apparently, Ahab goes back to his twisted, wicked wife of a queen, Jezebel, and he tells Jezebel all that happened on Mount Carmel and how all the prophets were slain, and rather than repenting, she lashes out. She sends messengers to Elijah. You're as good as dead. Your days are numbered to one. By tomorrow this time, your life will be like the prophets you killed. And Elijah is filled with fear. And he runs for his life. He flees. He hightails it out of there. The man who had just faced an entire army of idolatrous prophets by himself now goes away as far as he can, fleeing some 90 miles to the edge of the wilderness. And then at the edge, he leaves his servant and he journeys another day in. I've been to this wilderness, the Judean wilderness, and it is a barren, forsaken, dry, rocky, desolate place. All you see is a kind of these sandy hills and a few trees scattered here. I, you wouldn't even call them a tree around here. More like a big bush, maybe 10 foot high. It's just kind of scattered bit by bit. And under one of these so-called broom trees, a defeated, shattered man is ready to throw in the towel. And he prays, it is enough. O oh Lord, now take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. What a stunning turn of events. From the crest of Mount Carmel to the trough of a broom tree in the wilderness. But I, for one, am grateful that the Scriptures convey the depths as well as the heights. For in this spiritual dark night of the soul, we, too, we see two things that can help us in our walk with God. We see Elijah's weakness, yes, and we see God's tender care. Elijah's weakness and God's tender care. First, Elijah's weakness. You know, the natural question that emerges for us is why? Why is this great man of God suddenly struck by such fear for a single queen that he runs for his life and he's ready to quit? Couldn't he have just called down more fire from heaven? After all, he'd do, he'd do that very thing later. In the beginning of 2 Kings, another monarch will, sing, will send messengers to kill Elijah, and Elijah just calls down fire from heaven, and pff, they're, they're, they're destroyed, and Morrison, pff, they're destroyed. But not, not now. Why doesn't he do that? I, I wrestled with this question with my high school students this week as we looked at this passage, and we came up with all kinds of ideas. And then I glanced through the, the, the commentaries, and, and they'll yield any number of theories as to the cause of Elijah's flight. And, and it can be a tendency to try to psychoanalyze Elijah's situation. 
If you press me, I'd point to a couple of factors. One, it's not hard to imagine that this man is flat out exhausted. I mean, I thought my last week was pretty full and challenging. And then I think about his week. Massive showdown on a mountain. Hacking down 450 prophets. Praying fervently for rain. Outrunning a chariot, setting a new land speed record. Then your life is threatened. That, that's a week. And I'd imagine he's physically and spiritually just worn out. And two, I think he's a man of shattered hopes and dashed expectations. I mean, surely after watching the bull, the Lord consume the bull and the, and the water and the stones in a mighty display of power, King Ahab and the people would stop limping around and revival would break out. Surely now times of refreshing and renewal would come to the land. Surely now the people would cast down the idols and would turn back in covenant faithfulness to God. And then he gets to Jezreel and it's, it's, it's like Mount Carmel never even happened. Had, had anything even changed at all? Had the last three years done anything? Prophets' dreams are dashed upon the rocks. Oh Lord, it's enough. Take away my life. I, my fathers couldn't do it, and I can't do it either. I imagine there's other reasons why he's in the place he is, but that's all the time I'd really like to spend on the why, because what I think we're meant to see here is not why he's so deeply depressed, but rather that. That, even Elijah was in such a state. Because as the great preacher C.H. Spurgeon was fond of saying, the best of men are at best only men. The strong are not always strong. The brave are not always brave. The trusting are not always free of doubt and fear. And if you live long enough, you come to realize that you Share that same weakness. So somehow seeing that great hero of the faith under a broom tree is, is strangely comforting to those of us who too know that discouragement and that burnout as well. For many of us have been, some of you even may be, under that broom tree. It's the pastor who somehow is able to lead his congregation through the terror, ridiculous days of COVID only to leave the ministry after a seemingly trivial church dispute. It's the soon-to-be college graduate who simply has no idea what to do after graduation while all her friends seem to have their next three decades planned out to every single detail. It's the man who, who can no longer deny that the drinking has become all-consuming and that he doesn't have any control over it, but he can't stop. It's the mother who's trying to keep up with her kids' schedules going in a million directions and her husband's at work most of the time and distracted when he's not and she's just really not sure how she can make it through another day. 
It's the man who feels the obligation to provide for his family, but the pressures at work are consuming, and he knows he needs to do a better job at home, but he's just so exhausted that all he can do is look at a screen, and he just wants to get on a flight to somewhere. It's the business owner who's poured every bit of energy into making the venture go, but despite the time, it's still going belly up. Just doesn't know how he's going to keep the thing going. It's the vibrant, seeming healthy, middle-aged man who out of nowhere gets a shocking diagnosis that rocks him to the core. It's the husband, the wife, the children, as the marriage collapses and chaos looms. I could go on. In over 15 years of ministry, I've seen no shortage of men and women who, like Elijah, have been knocked right off of their feet. And I myself have spent some time under a broom tree. This sermon series that we're in, it's called When the World is Crashing Down Around Us. But what about when we ourselves are crashing down? What then? Enter God's tender care. You know, God loved exhausted Elijah lying under the broom tree every bit as much as he loved the victorious prophet standing upon Mount Caramel. Let me say it again. God loved exhausted Elijah lying under a broom tree every bit as he loved the victorious prophet standing upon Mount Carmel. But this could be difficult for us to accept, can't it? I have a good friend who's a chaplain um, at a college down in Charleston, South Carolina called the Citadel. You'd look at the name and you'd want to call it the Citadel, and then they'd recognize you're not from around there, and they'd teach you to call it the Citadel. The Citadel is a military college, and it is an intense place for driven young men and women. If you are not committed, you don't make it through the first week let alone through the first year. But my friends asks the cadets as they come streaming into his thriving ministry, what do you think God thinks of you? What do you think God thinks of you? Of you? Do you know the overwhelming answer that he hears time and time again as the new knobs come in? Disappointed. I think that God is disappointed with me. I've looked at this passage all week and beyond. I don't see any disappointment in this passage. Rather, I see a compassionate, loving, gracious, merciful God who ministers to his minister. He knows right where he is, he knows right what he needs. What does Elijah need? Well, first he needs rest. He's exhausted. He needs rest. And so God allows him to sleep. What else does he need? He needs some food. And so the messengers, the angel of the Lord, taps him, wakes him up. Elijah looks, and there is some top-notch room service out in the wilderness. Jar of water, hot bread upon a hot stone, and Elijah eats and he sleeps, and he's woken up again, and he eats, and he sleeps, 
and he's woken up again. And after this rest and after the nourishment, he's given a calling. Eat this food and go to Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is the great meeting place where God has met with his people. And Elijah has a calling afresh upon his life. Rest, nourishment, calling. It's the, it's the pattern of grace for Elijah. It's also the pattern of grace for us who may have come to the end of ourselves. In closing, I'd like to make two applications for you from this passage. First, I encourage you to look for people under broom trees. You can't save them, but sometimes you can be the messenger from God to give them something that they need. So I encourage you, they're all around, people under broom trees. And how might you might serve them? It might be a meal. It might be a night of babysitting, so a couple who can have a night out can have a night out. It might be an anonymous gift of money so that a family that is struggling to pay the bills can have a little reprieve from the massive piling up. I don't know. There's any number of ways. God knows. And if you're attentive, he will lead you to people under broom trees. And there's a whole lot of joy when you serve as God's messenger. I can tell you that this church has been that for me. A dozen years in the grind of starting a school from the ground up. Year after year under the white, hot glare of ever-rising expectations and very little rest. And you realize one day you've got nothing left to give. And by the grace of God, you somehow lay it down. You don't go to the wilderness, but you go to Grove City. And you're wondering how your family's going to cobble together a living. And you wonder if you've got anything even left to give or you're just done. It is enough. Am I just done? And then I encounter messengers of grace. Bringers of gifts. And you're renewed. And you rest. And you're given new calling. So people of grace, I encourage you, continue to look for people under broom trees. Second application. My friends, there may be those of you out there who feel like the world is crashing and you are at the end of yourself. And I would yet point you to a tree of rest and healing. I urge you to flee to the cross of Christ. For there at the cross does Jesus still provide rest and nourishment for weary souls. It's not just the tree for the faithful and the brave and the true and those who seem to have their lives together and don't have any doubts, but no. It is the place for the sin-sick, the sorrow-worn, the empty, the burnt-out, the struggling, those who are at the end of themselves. So come to the tree where the Savior shed his blood for sinners and find forgiveness. For God shows his love in, for us in this. While we were yet sinners, while we are under the broom tree, 
Christ died for us. And come to the tree where the Son of God offered Himself for the broken, the battered, and find peace and His strength anew. A bruised reed He will not break. A faintly burning wick He will not snuff out. And come to the tree where the long-awaited Messiah died and yet rose again that He might restore shattered hopes and dashed dreams. For behold, He sits upon the throne of heaven and He in His time makes all things new. So flee to the cross of Christ. For there you will yet find that Jesus is still the tender, compassionate, loving, merciful, gracious God who says to you this evening, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will refresh you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And so gracious, tender Lord Jesus, Would you come find all of us who are under broom trees and bring us to your cross that we might find peace and your rest. Amen. They took your life. They could not take your breath.